the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hey, welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome. The number is 303-873-1935. That's the number if you want to join me on the program. We've been talking about a lot of different things, including um, the Bible. And, of course, that's my favorite subject, um, other than the reality of not just the Bible, but what the Bible says and what the Bible says about the most important issues. 303-873-1935. Let's see who's up. Lawrence, welcome to the program. Pastor Trace, hey, thank you, Pastor Trace. I, I appreciate you taking my question on the air of the email that I sent you because I was driving. And cool. I agree with you 100% how you explained it. But when I talked to that pastor on the corner, he said, you need to read 2 Peter 1, verse 20. So I read it, and he said, all scripture, and I don't know the verbatim of it, should be heard, not hidden or yeah, something like that. Let's, let's, let's look Gaffer. at it. Yeah, he's, he is wrong. Because in First Timothy, Second Peter chapter 1, verse 20, it says, Knowing this first, that no prophecy of scripture is of any private interpretation. Another translation says, Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. So actually, 2 Peter 1.20 is emphasizing the source of Old Testament prophecies, not who has the right to interpret the Bible. So some Bible versions don't make that clear. The New American Standard, for example, says that prophecy is not a matter of one's own interpretation. The King James says, Scripture is not of any private interpretation. However, Peter isn't writing about how we should read or interpret the God's Word. He's writing about how God gave us His Word in the first place. So in order to persuade the reader to pay attention, Peter affirms that his words are God's words, just as much as the Old Testament prophecies. So Peter's meaning in verse 20 is explained by the context. In 2 Peter verses 16 through 21, we didn't follow cleverly devised stories, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. We ourselves heard his voice that came from heaven. We also have the prophetic message as something completely reliable. No prophecy of scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. For prophecy never had its origin in the human will. So Peter's point isn't how to read and understand the message. He's explaining the authoritative origin and source of the prophecy. It was God himself who communicated them through his spokesman. So so here, here's our options w- with your earlier question. <clears throat> there's, a, there's a contradiction in the Bible, or yes. there's no contradiction. According no, to... I, uh, yeah, okay, according ahead. to the the way that I explained it, 
in its context, according to the original language, there's no con there's no conflict in the text. So when it, it asks and answering, well, which was it? Did they did they hear his voice or not? The right answer, they did hear his voice. But but they heard a sound. They weren't able to make sense of the specifics. So again, using us as an example, okay? If we start okay. speaking in Spanish, do we have reason to believe that some people in our audience are going to understand us? I think some I will. would yes, some will understand what but, we're saying and some but won't. Most won't. Most won't because they don't speak Spanish. The the very so they're hearing sounds but they're unable to differentiate the words. So the prophets and Peter aren't writing thoughts that they cooked up on their own, but they pass the truth from God. And so the way Peter puts it, they spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So first, back to your thing, Second Peter one twenty. above all, you have to understand that no prophecy of Scripture came by the prophet's own interpretation of things. So this isn't Gino Geraci's interpretation simply of the text, but rather it's the declaration of the Scriptures that you gave to me earlier. And so Peter's intent in Second Peter is to express God's thoughts, not man's. So, again, I think that your friend has misunderstood the text. No, you explained everything perfect. That's why my goal was to read the Bible, to understand it, to read it, and I'm reading it twice, the New King James and the King James at the same time. So if I don't understand this part, I'll go to this one. If I don't understand the New Kings, I'll go to back and forth, and I totally well, understood it. Well, I think that it. the second – I think second – the New King is – is a fairly modern translation. And um, again, you know, I hope that helps. I hope, I hope my answer helps. It did. You clear. Now I understand the whole thing. I, I, you've been a great help. I appreciate it. Now I understand all three because I understood the first two. Great. And then when you told me that, it's like, then why? And then you explained everything of, of, Christ wanted Saul, which is now Paul, he wanted him to only hear what he wanted to say. He didn't want really anybody else to say it, but he understood he wanted to say what he wanted to say to Exactly. Paul. And so, so part of the challenge that we have is that great big idea. Does the Bible itself give us an accurate representation of the events that actually unfolded? I would say yes, 100%. That's exactly, that's the right answer. Yes. Perfect. Hey, Pastor Dracy, thanks again for your help. I appreciate it. Thank you for taking me on your radio station. You are welcome. Question. You have a great evening. Thank you. Thanks. 303-873-1935. That's the number. If you want to join me on the program. And, um, Again, part of the challenge that we have as we're reading the Bible and we're reading the text and we're reading it in the context is to ask and answer those questions. It is, am I reading it in its context? Am I, am I representing 
or misrepresenting. And sometimes in order to understand the meaning of any given text, we have to ask and answer the question, well, who wrote it? Who's the original audience? And in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 1, it says that the apostle Peter is the author. And of course, his authorship has been challenged over the years. However, the early church fathers found no good reason to reject his authorship. And so guess what? I've also found no good reason to reject what I believe that Peter is the author of the little epistle of Second Peter. 303-873-1935. Uh, that's the number if you want to join me on the program. When we come back, we're going to have, take some more calls, answer um, more questions. And of course, in Second Peter, Peter was writing um, to warn about false teachers who, in, in, who had infiltrated the church. And he called on Christians to grow and become strong in their faith so that they could detect and combat the spreading apostasy. He strongly stressed not just the authority and authenticity, but the reality of the Word of God and the sure reality that Jesus is going to come back. 303-873-1935. I'll be back. Take your calls, answer your questions. Hey, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is Gino Geraci. So glad you could join me. The number is 303-873-1935. 303-873-1935. Let's see who's up. Bill, welcome to the program. Hi, Hello. Bill. Hi. How can I help I, uh, you? I was listening to what you guys were talking about, and it's just kind of cool. I've been doing a study, and, and the memory verse I've been memorizing came to me, and I just wanted to share that. Okay. It might kind of go with what you guys were talking about. It's uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. Oh, yeah. Mainly just 16, but all Scripture is God-breathed, and it's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Uh-huh. And I just kind of—I just wanted to share that. I, I enjoy the show. I've never called in before. So. Well, thank you for— uh, calling in, and thank you for sharing that scripture, and thank you for yeah. reminding us that scripture is God-breathed. And if it's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, then that one single scripture also gives us the basis that we're given permission that we can use every single scripture to teach or to confront or to correct. Yeah. Or to remind people. So that's basically <laughs> it. I'm kind of nervous, so no, 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 don't, don't be nervous. <laughs> hey, th thank you for joining me. Yep. Three zero. Well, you're welcome. Three zero three eight seven three nine nineteen thirty five. Three zero three eight seven three nineteen thirty five. You know, Peter says about Paul in 2 Peter chapter 
1, verse 21, he says, we're told that prophecy never had its origin in the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. This picture is one almost of a river, just like a river carries a person down, you know, down the lazy river, so to speak. So Peter, Peter notes that Paul writes with the wisdom that God gave him. And that failure to take heed to the message is done at the peril of the readers. And um, so when we talk about Scripture being God-breathed, all Scripture is God-breathed. Um, 303-873-1935, that's the number if you want to join me on the program. Like I said, Friendly Jim is standing by to take your call, 303-873-1935. In Second Peter chapter 3, verse 15, he writes, And count the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you, according to the wisdom given to him as he does in all his letters when he speaks in them of these matters. There are some things in them that are hard to understand. No kidding. But scripture comes not just from the human writer, but from the Holy Spirit. Scripture comes from the Holy Spirit. All scripture is God breathed. In words taught by the Spirit, expressing spiritual truths, in spiritual words. That's what Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 13. Again, 303-873-1935 is my number. It says, and we impart this in words, not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. In fact, the Berean believers faithfully used the inspired word of God to check Paul's adherence to the word. In Acts chapter 17, verse 1, you'll remember it says that they examined the scripture every day to see if what Paul said was true. The reason why, in part, this becomes really important to me. You know, I'm the director of a ministry called Scripture Says. And uh, part of the point of um, Scripture is this idea of what's been known. And I've had... um, I think Nick Cadion, we were talking about the perspicuity of Scripture, the perspicuity of Scripture. And that bit, that word perspicuity just simply means clarity. It means the, the Bible's, the teaching, the teaching that the Bible is true, but it's clear. So to say that something is perspicacious, or the idea of perspicuity. It's another word for clarity. So the doctrine of the perspicuity or the clarity of the scripture is one of the basic 
tenets of Protestant evangelicalism regarding the Bible, along with the doctrines of inspiration and inerrancy and sufficiency of the Scripture. So another way of saying that is that the doctrine of perspicuity or clarity means that the central message of the Bible is clear and understandable and that the Bible itself can be properly interpreted in a normal, literal sense. Now, the perspicuity or the clarity of the Scripture doesn't mean that there aren't difficult things or that there aren't problematic things or that there aren't mysterious things. But it does mean that on the central issue, it's clear. The Westminster Confession of Faith explains what Protestants believe about the clarity or the perspicuity of Scripture. In the Westminster Confession, it says, quote, all things in Scripture are not alike plain in themselves, nor alike clear unto all. Yet those things that are necessary to be known, believed, and observed for salvation are so clearly propounded and opened in the same place of Scripture or another that not only the learned but the unlearned in due use of ordinary means may attain unto a sufficient understanding of them. The way that I, I, I would reiterate that is this, is this is the Bible's way of saying, can you understand the Scripture in such a way that you can hear it and believe it and be saved? You know, in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 28, it says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4, Paul writes, I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling, and my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in the demonstration of the Spirit and of power. In John chapter 6, verse 44, we read, No man comes to me except the Father which has sent me draw him. In John 6, 6, 65, it says, Therefore said I to you that no man can come to me except it were given to him of my Father. In 2 Corinthians 5, 20, Now then, we're ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. This is Paul's way of saying, it's as if God is speaking by us to say, Believe, believe, believe. Believe that your sins can be forgiven. Believe that you can trust Christ. Believe that you can be saved. This is Gino Geraci. Thanks for joining me. 303-873-1935. I'll be back. Hey, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is Gino Geraci. So glad you could join me on the program. The number is 303-873-1935. And we were talking about a number of different things. One of the things I was talking about, the clarity or the perspicuity of Scripture, is because, again, it's asking and answering the question, well, if the Bible is clear, well, then why do so many people disagree 
about so many different things. And I'm willing to concede that a lot of people, for a lot of different reasons, disagree about a lot of different things. So when we ask and we answer the question, if the Bible actually makes a claim about itself, that it is clear um, and understandable, how are we to think about that? By the way, again, if you want to join me, it's on 303-873-1935. The doctrine of the clarity or the perspicuity of Scripture was one of the fundamental beliefs of the Reformation. Martin Luther taught against the Roman Catholic claim that the Bible is imperspicuous. That means unclear. In other words, one of the, 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 the main teachings of Roman Catholicism was that it was so obscure and so difficult that common people probably couldn't understand it and that they needed skilled people to help them understand. Now, don't get me wrong. Are they living in a time when there is a great deal of illiteracy? Well, yeah. But the Bible, the priests and the bishops taught, isn't clear. And so what they have to do is go to a trusted place to interpret or um, let's not start there, to read it for themselves or interpret it for themselves. So the reformers encouraged Christians to study the Bible for themselves, to study it, to read it to think about it, to try and ask and answer the question, what, do you, what did it just say? The Reformers believed that the Bible proclaimed itself to be inherently clear and that God was able to communicate his message to all men, even people who couldn't read. So a main tenet of the Reformation was that the Scripture is clear enough uh, the way that I would put it is for the simplest person to believe it, to, to, to believe it, understand it, and live by it. And because of that belief in the clarity or the perspicuity of Scripture, men like John Wycliffe and William Tyndale and Martin Luther and Miles Coverdale and Thomas Matthew and Pierre Olfitan went to great lengths to translate the Bible into the vernacular. So John Wycliffe and Tyndale, English, Luther, German. As a matter of fact, the Bible itself teaches its own clarity or perspicuity. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 6 and 7, it says, and these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and talk of them when you sit in, in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. Imagine 
the meaninglessness of those words unless they're somewhat clear and true. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. That that seems to mean that that they're on your heart because you can think about them and remember them. You shall teach them diligently to your children. For what purpose? Well, because they're valuable. And you shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down. The implication being when you're at home, when you're on a journey, when you're lying down, when you get up in the morning, the implication seems to be that you can talk about what God has said when you get up in the morning, when you walk in your way, when you go to bed at night. So again, when these words say, I command you to diligently teach it to your children, the implication seems to be that your children can understand what it says. And so the New Testament confirms this when the Apostle Paul encourages Timothy to continue in the things that he has known about the Holy Scriptures since his childhood. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14, it says, But as for you, continue in what you've learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, namely that Timothy learned it from his mother and grandmother. 303-873-1935. Psalm 19, verse 7 says, The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. What does that mean? The simple cannot be made wise by something that they don't understand. In Psalm 119, verse 130, it says, The unfolding of your words gives light. It imparts understanding to the simple. So if that's true, if the simple can become wise because they can hear something and understand it, and if God's word gives understanding to the simple, meaning that it's not necessary to be highly educated to comprehend what it says. The Bible's meaning is clear to all. Now, again, does that mean every single person is going to have the same exact capacity to understand everything that the Bible says? My point that I'm trying to make is that the average person picking up their Bible and reading it, have the ability, in part, to understand it, believe it, and apply it. So that doctrine of clarity, perspicuity, means that the Bible is clear in its essential matters, able to expose to man that which is comprehensible to him about God. And so, again, we're asking and answering that question. Does the Bible give an accurate representation about the existence of God? Is there a God? 
is he good? And can the Bible authentically be understood? So the Bible is clear that all that is necessary for man to know, even in his sinful state, is his need for salvation and the means of attaining that salvation, which is by trusting Jesus. Romans 3.22, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. So that doctrine of clarity doesn't mean that every passage of Scripture is equally clear as to its precise meaning. There are passages that are difficult to modern readers because of some historical or cultural context. Sometimes the theology is difficult. Peter said in 2 Peter 3.16, some things are hard to understand, but the clarity of the Word of God doesn't eliminate the need to interpret, explain the Bible by people who care and who have devoted themselves to the study and the explanation of the Bible. This is Gino Geraci, 303-873-1935. Hey, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is Gino Geraci. So glad you could join me on the program. The number, 303-873-1935. Let's see who's up. Patty, welcome to the program. Hi, thanks for taking my call. Hey, you're welcome. So I had a question. I read something earlier that Brexit was somewhat biblical because the North and the South countries had to somehow align against each other. And I just wondered what your thoughts on that were. You know, the way that I would think about that is twofold. it's, It's to ask the question, does England or Britain, apart from the European Union, play some significant role in end time prophecies? I'm willing to maybe entertain the notion that that's true. I think that there's something way more important than that, though. It's this idea of globalism versus nationalism, Patty. I think the most important thing about Brexit, in my view, is does a united Europe accelerate things towards a global outcome, which is inevitable? In other words, Is our planet Earth inevitably headed towards globalism? I think that the answer is yes. But, so what is the point of Brexit? It reinforces British nationalism. So to me, there there are two strong forces at play. Forces that are trying to manipulate each other for globalist um, purposes. And then forces that are trying to keep globalism in check. So in my view, remember in in Genesis chapter 11 with the Tower of Babel, Mm -hmm. how God confounds the language and he gives people different languages and he sends them all over the earth to populate the earth. I'm thinking that that judgment in, in part is a blessing to, to, I'm going to use the term postpone a future globalist judgment. So my, 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 my simple answer is Brexit is a good thing because nationalism is a good thing because it postpones judgment. Okay. 
So that would, in your, I mean, it sounds like then, I mean, if they would have stayed in, that would have been more moving us toward globalism and closer right. to the end of times. Okay. Right, right. Okay. So, so is globalism inevitable? In my view, it is. In other words, the Bible teaches about this man of sin. It teaches about a united world. It talks about buying and selling in the book of Revelation. Um, so, you know, people are constantly saying, if we're going to deal with the problem of global climate change, we're going to have to unite. If we're going to deal with the problem of, of the economy, we're going to have to unite. If a, if a meteorite comes from outer space to destroy the planet, we're going to have to unite. There's a growing group of people who are looking for solutions on a global scale. In other words, not no single country can solve the problems of humanity. Okay, but, so then the other side of that then too, it's not Brexit, but with the new trading in Bitcoin or whatever it's Bitcoin, called. Bitcoin, yeah. Um, Cryptocurrency. That's that's a global thing, right? Yes. In other words, in my view, cryptocurrency provides sort of the foundation, if you will, to make a global currency easier to um, swallow. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Okay. So there's some things that are moving toward that and then. Okay. And other things that are moving away from it. And so okay. in my view, the things that are moving towards it, I think are problematic. To me, the things that are moving away from it are just simply postponing judgment where we have grace and mercy and an opportunity to preach the gospel. Are we going to preach the gospel as we move towards globalism? Yes. Are we going to preach the gospel even if globalism is enacted? Yes. Okay. But it's it's going to be more and more difficult as okay. you, as your views become less and less embraced by the culture around you. So I guess the other thing I was curious about, like we know Rome and even Greece. I mean, it had, I mean, a lot of what I would guess would be called sexual immorality or sure. homosexuality in it. Sure. Do you think it's any worse today than it was then? Yes, and let me tell you why. In one part. No civilization that I'm aware of have literally destroyed the boundaries of marriage. No civilization that I'm aware of differentiated or or tried to eliminate what it means to be a man or a woman. No civilization has survived, if you will, who completely dismisses all sexual restraint. And so, again, we're moving, moving, moving towards a culture and a society where all sexual restraint is removed. Okay. So it is worse. Okay. I, in my view, it is. Okay. Yeah, well, that makes sense because they didn't go after marriage before. But I thought they kind of did in the Greek and Roman They did. In, in, in certain portions of the Greek and the Roman societies, there were attacks, including by none other than Caligula, who winds up marrying his horse. You know, he's breaking down the species barrier. But again, I'm thinking that that's the big idea. The big idea is, is marriage a social construct? Is it something that society and civilization invented in order to oppress you? And yeah. and, and the right answer is no, it's something God invented to ensure 
peace, security, safety, blessing. Okay. Okay, well, thank you for your time. Okay, thank (laughs) you for your call. 303-873-1935. Ernie, welcome to the program. Hello, Gino. Hello, Healing up good, huh? Huh? Healing up good? Well, this is, you know, I'm trying to, you know, not cough and hack and wheeze. Yes, any well, I know, I know you'll get better. Anyway, you were talking about the perspicuity and the clarity of Scripture. Exactly. Uh, in Matthew twenty-four, twenty-five, uh, uh, no one knows the day or the hour, the coming of the Son of Man. Lady, very interesting uh, observation she had there about see you also when you see all these things. Come know that it is near at the door. Uh-huh. Surely I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away until these all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. Same clarity of thought there in verse 36, but of that day and hour, no one knows, even the angels, so forth, so on, all the way through 25, 24 into 25. That fits what I believe to be, you know, I don't hold to a pre-trib rapture, and uh, having studied it now for, oh gosh, almost 14 years now, fits pretty closely to my understanding of end times and the end of the age. And uh, the I won't call it the pre-wrath rapture or pre-post-trib uh, rapture. I call it God's timetable rapture. Well, the way- All these things... The way that I would think about it is twofold. Number one, when Jesus says this generation will not pass away until these things take place, those are the events of the end times, that it's going to happen quickly. Now, there's a different argument to be made about Matthew twenty four thirty four. This generation will not pass away until all these things take place. The context, the context are the verses surrounding it, Matthew twenty four thirty four, especially prior to it, verses 4 through 31, where Jesus is clearly giving a prophecy. He's speaking about future events. He's already told the people who's listening to him that the people who are living during his earthly ministry, that the kingdom had been taken away from them in Matthew 21, verse 43. So I'm going to suggest to you that Matthew 24 and 25 is dealing with the future, and there's a different reason to believe why. Okay, we'll, we'll have to. We'll yeah. have to address this yeah, there's another time. Yes. Hey, but thank okay. you for your call. Thanks for joining me. This is Gino Geraci. I'll be back tomorrow taking your calls, answering questions. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.